So just focus on the simple thing of what can you do and focus on. There's always going to be noise out here telling us this is the standard for success. This is what success looks like. You got to be like this. You got to dress. Screw all that. It's you versus you in the mirror. Do you love who you are? Do you love what you're doing? Do you love what you're meeting in terms of expectations? Because it's all you. All right. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Parker with Upbeat. Thanks so much for listening in. And I'm here today with Vic Freyloff. How's it going, man? It's going well. How about yourself? Doing well. Hey, and I just want to double check. Did I say your name right? (laughs) You got it perfectly. (laughs) Okay, awesome. Well, I appreciate you being on here. Um, It's, uh, you know, we all lead very busy lives and to take an hour or so, 30 minutes to an hour or so to hop on a podcast. I appreciate it. Well, Thank you for having me, man. It's a pleasure and an honor. Of course. Well, and so I always like starting with story. It's pretty typical of podcasts, I guess, but um, I think it's important since, you know, we're not uh, A-list celebrities and people don't already know our stories that it's important to start with story. So the listeners get to know you a little bit better. So if you don't mind sharing maybe what it is you're up to currently And maybe just a little bit, you know, one to two minutes or something of your story, kind of give, kind of to give everyone a background. Sure. So right now, currently, I am primarily a mindset coach, working with individuals and groups on improving their mental resilience and basically making them their most optimal selves. And on top of that, I run a couple other businesses, one of which is a consulting and leadership development business. And I also act as a business broker for my friends and their products. So if anyone out there is involved in direct mail, I've got a client for you. But the way I got here, I've lived a very long life already, my 34 years on this earth. Uh, I've seen more death and more travesties and pains and all that from a very young age. And as a first-gen American with two immigrant parents, it it was a life of conflict and a life of confusion. But that's part of the reason why and the energy or the fuel behind what I do, which is to help the individual overcome whatever it is that life has thrown at them to be their most authentic, empowered self. So if you want to talk pain, I understand pain. If you want to talk trial, we can talk trial. You want to talk substance and addiction and all that, I, we can talk because I've been there. I've done that. I've experienced it. I've gone through it. And I know what it's like to come out through to the other side and see hope, hope for the first time in yourself and in life. And that whatever happened in the past doesn't have to define or limit you. Absolutely love that. Thanks so much for sharing that. It's really helpful, you know, just to move forward, get an understanding of where you're coming from. Um, I'm sure that was really hard, you know, the things that you've gone through. I'm wondering where and when and why maybe there was a shift that you wanted to help other people with that um, beyond, I guess, rather like just helping yourself. Was it just that being on the other side was so cool you had to help others get there? Or I guess what, what brought that to light? So it's a great question because I didn't realize it until much later on, but I'd, I'd spent most of my life helping other people. Like, you know, when you're a teenager, your friends are telling you they've got all these different thoughts and how they're struggling and things like that. And my first tendency was to say, okay, how can I help you? What can I help you with? And that just became a a feature of my life where I spent the rest of my life just 
always being there for somebody, helping them realize that they don't have to choose between the black and white that life presents them, that there are other options and it all lies in with themselves. Tie into that the fact that I'd from a young age been immersed in the world of psychology and personal development. I had a natural inclination towards it. And then for me, what, what really flipped the switch was realizing that my passion was helping people. My passion was seeing the change in people. And when I focused on that, you know, my, my corporate career went to shit by my own actions because I would focus more on the individuals in the organizations rather than focusing on building the organization's coffers, we'll say. And so it was always more interesting to me that I'd, fa- I'd rather focus on the person and say, hey, how can I help you be your best self so you can produce for the company and for yourself? How can I help you be 100% happy with you? And it was just that coming to, to top of mind, just coming to that realization later on that my passion is people and that I truly don't hate people. I actually love people, in fact, and I enjoy working with people. So it was... It was it was a long delayed process, but I've been doing it for such a such a long time that it's just second nature to me because it's a it's a core facet of who I am. Love that. And yeah, I listened to another podcast of yours uh, back when us first connected with you, which shout out real quick to Braden Belknap for <laughs> connecting us. Oh, yeah. Um, but but yeah, I did listen to a previous podcast of yours where you mentioned you kind of got started when you were really young, like eight years old. What kind of sparked that. <laughs> and I, I guess, yeah, I mean, ultimately you developed, it was something you're passionate or came to the understanding it was something you're passionate about, but you started very young. Like you said, you've been doing this literally like a lifetime. So I <laughs> just wanted to ask about that. Well, I didn't. So eight years old was about the right time. Um, I didn't have much of a choice because my biological mom was from Iran and had horrible English as a language, had horrible penmanship and understanding and reading comprehension. So I would literally go with her to class as she was going to Cal State Northridge and she was studying child development and psychology. I would go with her to class. I'd sit in class with her, eight years old, pay attention to whatever I could while playing on my Game Boy or whatever. And then I would go home, help her with her reading, with her homework, with her papers and assignments and projects, help her with whatever movies that she had to watch. And basically helped her to get her double bachelor's in child development and psychology. So, you know, I, I talk about having degrees. I, I've technically earned her degrees as well because I did all the work for her. And I was immersed in all this information and knowledge from such a young age that I've been living in the world of psychology my, most of my entire life at this point. Yeah, that's wild. And it's, uh, you know, it kind of shows through though, too, because... I can tell just in the way that you speak and the way you present yourself, like there's just like this calmingness to you that it's not like you're trying to be calm. It's that you just are because that's, it's like part of who you are, you know? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and so I'm happy to have you here on the podcast talking about hope on the other side too, because that's what this podcast was, I guess, kind of created with that in mind. Um, podcast called Upbeat. And really, it's uh, kind of the motive behind it was for creatives, for entrepreneurs, for people who are feeling like they've got a sense of something greater and like they're going to have more impact, but they feel stuck and they feel discouraged and they feel depressed. 
And every single day, you know, it's a choice that we make to be upbeat and to be hopeful. And so that's kind of where it initially started and it ebbs and flows. I feel like I'm kind of everywhere with it sometimes, but um, ultimately that's kind of where this stemmed from. So what advice would you have, I guess, initially for someone who is just super uber depressed right now, you know, and they look at what's going on in the world. They can't get the bad news out of their heads. You know, they high prices for everything. They can't get into their dream home that they've always wanted. They just, they have so much that they're aspiring to, to be and to obtain, but they feel discouraged and depressed. What, what can help them through that? Two, two ideas here for them. The first one is that they're letting a lot of external factors impact their mood, their state of being. When at the end of the day, the only factors that should contribute to any influence of their mood is their own. Meaning they can choose for themselves to be happy or sad, regardless of what the external circumstances are. But by letting all these external factors and influences and just different stressors, we'll say, impact their headspace and their emotional well-being, their mental resilience, they're cutting themselves short in how effective and efficient and profitable they can be. So learning to tune out that noise would be helpful. Just realizing that the only standards that you have to live up to are the ones that you set for yourself. Because you, at the end of the day, are the one that, that defines truly what success is for you. I can't tell you that achieving $100,000 per month in sales is success because my definition of success is different than yours. And my definitions are based off of my life experiences, my goals, my aspirations. Just as you, the individual, your goals, your aspirations all contribute to what your definition of success is. So just focus on the simple thing of what can you do and focus on for that? Because there's always going to be noise out here telling us this is the standard for success. This is what success looks like. You got to be like this. You got to dress. Screw all that. At the end of the day, it's you versus you in the mirror. Do you love who you are? Do you love what you're doing? Do you love what you're meeting in terms of expectations? Because it's all you. Whether you are consciously aware of it or not, you're letting these external things take weight and add it onto your shoulders when you don't need to. Because you're the one that's defining for yourself what is success? What is a happy life? There's always a power in choice that you have. You can look at life more than in more ways than just the A and B or the black and white that you're presented with. And I, I tell my all the people that I work with and engage with, you every situation you're given, everything you're experiencing is like a Rubik's Cube. And you might be looking at a face that's got multiple colors on it, but you can adjust the dial and twist things around to get to the colors that you want on that face. Or you can just simply turn the face to another one that you want to focus on and look at. And that might be just a simple, you know, one degree shift for you to make every day that will help you to get closer to your goal and to your success and really just stay committed to it. Because as entrepreneurs, as business owners, as people living life, we get battled every, we, we get beaten down and, and hurt every day. It's a roller coaster. Darren Hardy wrote a book about it called The Entrepreneur's Roller Coaster for a reason, because it's always like this, twists and turns and all that. 
So you can look at a different face of it and you can work the problem at your optimal level by just simply focusing on the simple things, the small wins every day that will chip away at the bigger win that you want to achieve. So if you want to focus on anything, focus on just a 1% or a one degree shift, just a small win every day that's going to contribute to your greatness, to your success, and be 100% at that 1%. That's all you need. Oh, big time. Yeah, appreciate that. And I would even encourage, you know, people listening in, watching on YouTube, wherever you're at, you know, unless you're driving, <laughs> but, you know, take, take a quick rewind, you know, take out a notepad or something, rewind the last like two or three minutes and just jot down some of that, jot down what resonates and this is really good advice that's going to work for you. And I assume too, it's going to work with maybe, I don't know, you're, you're going to have better insight on this <laughs> than I would, but um, maybe even with like resolving past things like trauma, you know, like there's, I would say a good chunk of people, if not everyone has, has something that they're maybe not even focused on or subconsciously realized, but past trauma, past things that have kind of turned them into what, what they are now. And those things will probably help with that. Or are there other I guess, strategies you'd recommend? Well, it it depends on the trauma and the experience, but usually any sort of trauma that a person is experiencing that has a negative recurring behavior or process. Trauma is broken down to a serious event and a strong emotional response. So you've got the event that happened in your life. And I'll, I'll use my life, for example. All right. So at a young age, I've lost both my parents. So nine years old, I lost my dad, my biological dad. And then at 18, I lost my mother. Now, I had a lot of issues when it came to relationships, whether they were personal, interpersonal, professional, whatever. I just didn't trust people because of the issues or the lack of trust that I had experienced with my biological parents And I didn't know how to trust people. Even in the workplace, I couldn't trust my managers because I figured they're they're always going to shaft me or screw me over somehow. So I had to go back and realize, okay, I have trust issues with people that I should lean on and trust. Why? Because I had this one experience where I learned not to trust somebody and the emotion that was tied to it was hurt and anger. Those were the emotions that were fueling and charging that event, keeping it alive in my life. So what I did is I had to go back and just kind of reevaluate it. Okay, the perspective that I had was I had this experience and I learned not to trust. And because I was hurt and angry, I was reinforcing that don't trust people. So I had to go and let go of that anger, that hurt, and realize that The one perspective that I had protected me, but it doesn't serve me anymore. It doesn't serve me to have that belief system that you can't trust anybody in your life. So what I did was I went and I said, okay, I'm going to forgive my biological parents because I had to look at things from a different perspective. I had to say, okay, they were doing the best that they could with the circumstances that they had and with the knowledge that they had from their parents. So they were repeating a cycle and I was the recipient of that. Now, if I were in their position, this is what I would have done. And this is a dialogue that I had with myself. 
this is what I would have done. This is what I would have seen or looked for. And this is how I would have reacted. I forgive them for the way they reacted, the way they handled everything. And I choose here and now to do something different. And my belief is going to be this moving forward. And for me, it was like a weight just fell off of my, my heart and my shoulders. I just realized, oh, there's peace and resolution to this. And of course, I did this with a person who's a professional that helps guide me through the process. But there's also a lot of dialogue that you do on your own when you replay those events in your life and you just kind of go through it and you evaluate it like, hey, yeah, this happened to me. Yeah, I, I've been through some shit. I've, I've got a lot of pain and, and negative beliefs or trauma that I'm limited by. So what do I need to look at? What perspective do I need to take on or understand in order to let the emotion resolve itself? And to let the trauma, that event, just dissolve into nothing so that way it no longer has an impact in my present or into my future. You do this, you just do a little self-awareness every day. Ask yourself, what's the emotion that I'm feeling? Why? Where in the past or what was the event in the past that triggered this? How do I want to resolve it? What do I need to resolve about it or understand? Or, un, or just take on as a new belief in order to let it go. And so that way it's no longer the, the shackles or the handcuffs that keep me limited, but instead empower me. Because all trauma can become fuel that projects you forward. But until we learn that, most of the time, the trauma that we have becomes the poison by which we kill ourselves. I appreciate you um, being like vulnerable, you know, and sharing those kind of sensitive parts of your story, I know that there's going to be a lot of people that can, I guess, relate, you know, take your experience and then look inward in their life and be like, okay, how, how does this apply to me? But I'm glad also that you mentioned that you had um, a professional with you as you were going through all that. I'm like, dang, man, that's really profound to like, know to ask yourself those questions. But, um, yeah, that's a good segue to, you know, I guess coaching in general. I think there's kind of a stigma that um, coaching is kind of fluffy or not helpful or like everyone's a coach, whatever. A lot of people have different varying views on it. But what, I guess, advice would you have for someone in picking a coach? And then also um, what role can a professional play in like guiding you to do these things that you maybe wouldn't know? how to do on your own? Great questions. Um, I'm going to start by answering the second one because it'll tie into the first. A coach is there as a professional to guide you through from where you are to where you want to be. A coach is there as a sounding board, a like kind of like your Gandalf as you're embarking on the adventure to go take the ring to the fires of Mordor and, and just burn everything, <laughs> right? As a coach, you're there to guide the person through the process, teach them, support them, cultivate into them trust, strength, confidence, all that. And in no way are you supposed to tell somebody specifically, you have to live like this, 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 or this, because you take away from the individual their aspect of choice and their power to define how they want to live their life, implementing what you teach them. Some coaches talk about how they have a blueprint and if you follow it exactly, you're going to have this much success and things like that. As a coach, you have to be adaptable 
and as, as a consumer or a customer of a coach, you want to look for this where they're adaptable and they customize or tailor their approach for you because no individual person is the same as another. We're all different and therefore we need custom approaches. We need tailored to the person paths on how they can achieve success, which they define, not me, the coach or somebody else, but they define it as success, right? So when someone's looking for a coach, they have to ask themselves the questions first. Okay, where am I at? Where do I want to be? What do I want to achieve? Who do I want to become as an end result? Because you need to start looking at it with the end in mind. Who do I want to become by the end of this whole process, working with this person? What do I need to let go of or learn or acquire or develop that will help me in along the path as well as at the end result? Once you start looking into that and realizing what your vision for the end goal is, then you start looking for the coaches that one, resonate with you energetically because energy is, energy is something that we all experience. We're all created up of energy. And you've all, we've all had those experiences where we've listened to a coach, we're kind of cringy about it, like, oh, like that doesn't sound 100% right. I know a couple of coaches here in Utah that are absolute shady. Shady as hell, all they do is a money grab. I also know some amazing coaches that will literally take the shirts off their back and give it to anybody who needs it. Or they'll teach the person how to make the thread to sew their own shirt by the material and all that. So it, it just, it comes down to knowing what you want as an end result. And then finding the person who you resonate with energetically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, that will help guide you through to the process. And something that I always tell people is every, there's a coach for every single person at every single stage in life. So you can have multiple coaches that guide you to the next step. However, you have to be aware enough to know, okay, what do you need first and foremost? And are you willing to be 100% all in on doing the work? Because that's one of the most underrated, underlooked components, which is the consumer has to be willing to do the work, to change, to essentially become different, to experience the pains of change. And there are a lot of people out there who buy into these programs and they half-ass it. They do like 70, 80% of the way, but they don't give up that last 20, 30%. And that's the critical chunk that they need to give up because the process is for the refinements for the future development. And if you're not 100% all in now, how can you be 100% over here in the future if you, aren't, if you aren't 100% here? You're not gonna get there. So you have to be willing to do the work, but also ask questions. Look around, shop around, see who resonates with you. See who fits your price point or challenges your price point. Because my firm belief, is if an offer is cheap, then are you going to get true value out of it? Sure. But would you get more value out of something that's going to push your comfort level and maybe develop more out of that discomfort than you would in some, that, than something in your comfort level? Well, look at me, for example. I'm one of probably 30 people in the world trained to do what I do. And my mentor, my coach, his annual charge is 100K. That's who I work with. It's a stretch. It's a stretch because that's a big investment just in self-development and growth and, and just working on yourself. But because he's up here, the growth factor and the distance 
pushes me and drives me to become better, faster, stronger, you know, the whole song. And I'm all in. I'm paying the price financially for the benefit energetically and development wise. So I level up faster because I'm all in. I'm 100% there. If I'm going to spend this much money, then I want this as a result. And it comes down to me. Am I doing the everyday things? And it comes down to us having that conversation as client and coach. What are the expectations? What do I want as a client as an end result? What does he expect of me? So you have these conversations as you're shopping around and really find someone that will help you from here to where you want to be. I really like that answer a lot. It just makes it, it puts it in perspective from both sides, right? Like there's a lot of people that are out there that might talk bad about coaches or whatever. Or that's just fluff. But those people are not at a point in their life <laughs> where like they would be someone who could benefit from that. You know, they're, they're just not there. But for people who are there, they're kind of, it, it's catching people at the right moment in their life where they're ready to, to make those changes and maybe even seek higher performance, you know, and just know that they're capable of more. And like you said, be willing to put in the work. Um, and it, yeah. So I really appreciate that, that answer um, and finding someone that, that, matches with your energy too and that you can vibe with because if you're you know uncomfortable or kind of weirded out by every session or something that it might not it might not work out too well right and it's like um what's a sport that's two player like ping pong yeah if you're, like, <laughs> if you're playing two pair ping pong you gotta uh -huh. trust your partner and that's what your coach is they're your partner in your achievement and if you can't trust your coach that they have your best interests at heart, that they want you to win, you're not going to be able to perform. You, you just, you'll always have that what if in the back of your head saying like, all right, when's the other shoe going to drop? Just isn't healthy. And it's, uh, you know, all the greatest in the world have coaches too, which is another interesting thing to look at, you know, in sports like the Michael Jordans, right? Or whoever professional athlete you want to talk about, they all have coaches and a lot of you know behind the scenes too i have a friend his name is jeff meyer um he is a mind coach for professional athletes so nice. he you know people like to think oh like every team has a football coach but every player has like mind coaches and people that they go to behind the scenes that we're not as familiar with. But yeah, and then sports is one thing, but then there's also like the Ed Milets or whatever, the the maybe not Gary Vee's. I don't know if he's got a coach. Maybe he does. <laughs> he seems to be on his own level. But, you know, there's the higher performers in any category have right. guidance and coaching. So it's not something we should just completely look over. But it's also something that if you're feeling, if you're listening to this and you feel ready for a coach, you know, uh, Vic shared just now the, the best way to kind of exercise that discernment and make the best choice for you. A thought that I had was also, we all need mental tune-ups because life and, and crap happens all the time. So that's why I call myself the mental mechanic because you bring me in, I help you clear out all the all the clutter. And this is what a coach should do, right? They help you clear out all the garbage, all the clutter, give you the tune-up that you need, maybe an oil change, help you maybe do some upgrades, 
or part swaps, things like that, whatever is lagging from keeping you being 100% efficient and successful. And so everyone needs a mental tune-up. Everyone. You should have one at least once a year. Maybe even if it was just for a short duration, like you work with somebody for a month that gives you a top-up of what you need, fixes, changes things out, things like that, and then you go on your way. But the longer you prolong not doing it, the more pain points you accumulate over time. And at some point, you can't do a, an engine swap on your brain. It just means you have a lot more crap to work through and it'll take a lot longer because of the amount of, we'll say, wear and tear that's gone on. So do a checkup every year, work with somebody for a short span of time and be good for a couple of years until you reach that next stage where you're evolving and growing again and you need another tune-up and upgrade. So this is something that everybody needs. I do it. Other coaches do it. Like everybody needs a mental tune-up. And that's why you gotta you, you should invest in yourself to hire the people that'll help you get that mental tune-up. That's just my two cents and opinion. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good way to look at it. You know, it's maybe not something you get every week your whole life, but just in times where you could use that tune-up. Um, I think that's really important. Do you find that like a lot of clients that you've had and stuff, they come to you at like a, a almost a breaking point where they've got a lot to unpack or do you feel um, like you kind of get regulars that, that do those tune-ups? I've had a mix. So I've had those that have, or that are at the breaking point or they've gone beyond the breaking point and are slightly cracked. And they come to me yeah, looking for help on unpacking everything, fixing things up, things like that. I've also had clients that come to me and they're like, yeah, I just want to work on a few things. And then we unpack and they realize that there's a lot of underlying issues that are contributing to their current stressors that we then work through and unpack. And then I, I have people that come to me for the occasional tune-up, like, hey, I just need a tune-up. Like, can we chat for an hour? And of course, like we chat, I help them out, things like that. Most of my friends, because I do what I do, are often getting mental tune-ups every week, every month when I work with them. So I've taken them to the point where they don't need to do the deeper stuff because I've taken them to where they're operating optimally. So they, we occasionally check in. I give them a little, little tune-up. They unpack some things and then they have those breakthroughs and realizations and they move on. So it, it depends on where each person's at and what they need. But for me, it's a blend. And I don't turn people away. I just... I tell them, okay, you need to do this, this, and this. This is my, my advice to you. This is how I would engage. And they say, okay, I'll go do that. Cool. Go and do. Be successful. We all have stuff to unpack. Just varying degrees of where we're at in what stage of life. Yeah. Well, when it comes out of you, man, you just, I feel like you're helping anyone you talk to. Just to, it's just kind of, like I said earlier, it's who you are, you know, um, and like that calmness about you. I remember when we first kind of, caught up on the phone. Like I mentioned, uh, Braden Belknap introduced us. You and I had a quick call and that was like a 15 minute call or something. And in that call, you had given me like a lot of advice about like where I want to take this podcast and talking, you know, about leadership and stuff. And um, so you're a very giving serving person, which is cool. Um, and then uh, I was going to ask about leadership too. Um, your thoughts on that, you know, people leading themselves or leaders of big teams and corporate businesses, you know, or just uh, how important is leadership when it comes to growth and, 
excelling as well? Oh, it's it's monumentally important. So in my in my corporate past, I did a lot of leadership developments for organizations and I worked on the international side of some businesses. And the thing that was lacking most to their growth and success was the lack of leadership, proper leadership. Because there's there's a school of thought out there that you have two leadership styles currently out there. And this has come from eons and eons of research. You've got transactional and you've got transformational. Most leaders, most managers out there are transactional. Hey, you show up, do your eight to five, you get your paycheck. That's the transaction. There's no engagement beyond that. Hey, do your job, you get this. Transformational leader is the one that takes it a step further. It's the evolution. Here's your job. You get this, but also I'm going to give you more opportunities and invest more time and energy into you. So that way your output, which would normally be like 90%, is now 110% consistently, where you're taking two plus two and making eight, right? But it all comes back down. Leadership at a high level comes back down to the individual, how they conduct their life, how they lead themselves or their family or their personal business. And as they scale it out, it's a reflection of them. Every single issue in life that we have is an external representation of an internal conflict or issue we have. So if you have bad leadership where a leader doesn't care about their employees, then that means they don't really care either about themselves or for their close ones. Because what they're doing out here is a reflection of what they're doing in here. So with the leader, anybody that's any, any sort of leadership position or management, how they conduct things is a reflection of how they do it within themselves, which is why it's all the more important that anybody in a management or leadership position do self-development, learn how to lead first themselves and then others. Because true leaders, you've got great examples of those in, in the past. One of the greatest servant leaders of all time is from Christianity, Jesus Christ. He was a servant leader. Then you've got other leaders in business like John Maxwell, who've taught people and elevated them. And they were the transformational ones that helped take people here to here. But it was how they conducted their relationship with themselves. That's what it came down to. John Maxwell had expectations for himself and he kept his word to himself every day. When he made a commitment to himself, he followed through. Whether it was to success or failure, didn't matter. Is He showed up and did what he was going to do. So his trust equity in himself could then be compounded externally into others. And his example then had an effect in a positive way on others. He was a great leader because he started first within himself. He figured out his crap. He worked through it. He would work on it whenever it would pop up. And that whole process became an example unto others. So leadership, management, all that comes back down to the individual. Are you committed to yourself? Are you keeping your word to yourself? Are you taking care of yourself so that way you can take care of what you need to do elsewhere? And then when you engage with others, the chaos that you're creating out here, where is it in here? When you look at yourself in the mirror, 
where's the chaos internally that you got to resolve in order to resolve the chaos and manage it out here? Or better yet, are you empowering other people as you lead them to look beyond just the meager transaction of their relationship, but look at where you can take them, how you can support them and guide them and direct them so that way they are empowered, they are successful. And it requires a lot of work, requires communication. Because at its core, you got to lead them and they got to trust you to be led. So if they don't trust you, you got to fix that. Any organization that has any sort of mistrust or politicking or any of that crap is doomed to fail. That's incredible. I would say, you know, again, if you're listening and not in the middle of driving somewhere, <laughs> it's another good spot to kind of take some notes and, and jot down some ideas. It's really what you posed is very, it's a good thing that sparks like reflection inward, you know, but it also kind of helps you view the world differently. Like I'm sitting here thinking, you know, I work in a job where there is like that politicking and BS and whatever. And uh, you can see just in the leadership styles how what's happening is a reflection of that individual, you know, rather than uh, overarching. So, but then there's also a way for me to look inward, you know, um, I'm a chubby dude and that's a reflection of me not going to the gym. But then deeper than that, you know, like what you said about telling yourself like John Maxwell to do something and actually following through and building that trust. If I say, Hey, tomorrow I'm going to go to the gym. And then I don't, that's all like a notch, you know, in the belt for adding more and more distrust of even your own self. And then outwardly that's a reflection. So it's, it's cool. Cause it's you, everyone listening can look inward with that information, but also be mindful of it, examining other people. Mm-hmm. So th- there's a there's an organization out here in Utah. That, that's where I'm based out at. Um, it's an apparel company. It's pretty big with you know the right wing pro America crowd. It's named after an animal. That's all I'm going to say about it because otherwise <laughs> I might get in trouble. Um, the owner, his his company is falling into shambles. Just looking at it from an outside external perspective, his company is is falling in shambles. This guy has lost more staff in the last two years than I could keep count of, and majority of the time it was people who either put in their notice and quit, and then he would turn around and fire them immediately. So the way he's conducting business, and they're not fulfilling orders, they've got issues and things like that, like. They're a whole cluster F of just mess. So you look at this guy and you say, okay, he's got a lot of chaos going on in his business right now. You dissect it down. Okay, you take that as an external representation of him. So he's in a very chaotic state. Probably means he's not taking care of himself. He's not holding true to his word. He's not engaged in fulfilling his relationship to himself, which is coming out in the relationships that he has in the workplace. So you look at all that and you're like, okay, so this person who's the nucleus of his business, because he is at the center of his web, he's not being true to himself, holding his own commitments, 
and following through, his multi-million dollar apparel company is falling into shambles. But what could change if he starts taking care of shit at home? If he starts taking care of himself, working through whatever mental stuff he's got going on, working through whatever commitments stuff he's got going on, working on himself, just taking the time to really dive deep, not do the shallow stuff, but do the deep work. How would that reflect into his business? Probably pretty well, but he doesn't because as a CEO, manager, owner, whatever, he's allowing the title keep him from looking inward by choice to keep him, I don't know, keep his ego in check, keep him happy, whatever, whatever external validation he's trying to seek from it. When the only validation he needs is internal, but he's not giving that to himself because he's not doing the things that will give that to himself. So his whole organization is falling apart on the daily. So you look at leaders, the best leaders are the ones who take time to introspect. The ones who ask for feedback, the ones who don't politic, but have conversations. Hey, these are my expectations. I want you to meet up here, but right now you're here. How can I help you get there? Or how can I get there for you? The best leaders are the ones who have those open dialogues and they check the ego at the door, as my business partner would say. Check the ego at the door because that person on the other side of your desk is trying to get to where you're at. How do you help them do that? And that's deep. <laughs> that's deep. There's a lot of good stuff in there. Well, uh, and I appreciate it, man. Um, just kind of wrapping up here, I have two quick questions that sure. came to mind. And like I said, I don't have questions and I don't write them down. So I might forget what those two are if I take too long to get to them. But um, one, earlier um, in the conversation, you mentioned that there's only like 30 people in the world that can do what you do. And I'm wondering, uh, what did you mean by that? If it was some kind of uh, certain mind training or psychological thing, or uh, what was that referring to? Oh, great question. So my coach and mentor who taught me a good amount of what I utilize and know, his name is Steph Shafidal. He and his wife work together. They studied under Jim Rohn, who is kind of like the godfather OG of the self-development, personal development world. So Jim Rohn had students like Tony Robbins, my mentor Steph, who were, you know, they were on the same line. They were probably in the same class. We were just concurrent classes. So I've gotten certified and taught a lot of his modalities, a lot of his instruments and tools on top of doing other certifications externally to kind of give me more tools or more arrows in the quiver to give to my clients for their success. So that's what I meant by like 30 people because he's taken only a few students in the last, I don't know, 15 years, 20 years since he's been doing this. He's only taken about 30 students and taken them to his level. And I'm pretty good at what I do and, and using his, his stuff. So like I implement his stuff and my own developed procedures and I just give all my clients this process that's tailored to them. So when I say that I'm, I'm, you know, pretty up there, I'm good at what I do. Awesome. Yeah. And we'll just, if it's cool, use that time too to plug your services, you know, and like where people can find you. If someone wanted to reach out to you and get started with some of this, what 
where do they go? So I got a couple avenues that they, they want if they want to, to reach out. I've got my website. That's just a simple landing page funnel to schedule a call with me 15 minutes over Zoom. It's called, it's the, the URL is victor-freyloft.com. Very simple. Victor's my full name, but I go by Vic. Um, if they wanted to reach out to me on Instagram, my handle is vfreyloft. That's it. Send me a DM, reach out, comment on something. Just let me know you want to talk. And I've never done this on a podcast before, but I'm going to pull this one out of uh, book Bradley's book of things. Text me. Text me. I'm going to give you my number. Reach out to me. It's 801-855-6117. It's my business number. It's my direct line. I'm the one that handles the phone. Text me. Reach out. Happy to talk. Happy to help. Awesome. Yeah. And I would definitely encourage everyone to do that. I mean, I've been thankful and, and uh, grateful and lucky enough to connect with you on a phone call before this and then have this really insightful podcast episode. And I can just already tell that uh, you're a real one. You know, you're ge- you're genuine. You're, you don't have some silly blueprint. You're going to make custom stuff for people and help them genuinely. So uh, I really encourage people to go to Vic. Um, and I, the last question I had that escaped me for a second and then came back, <laughs> um, is why is it so, and this one's probably pers- like largely personal to me too, but, um, why is it so hard for people to ask why and go deeper or like when, when trying to decide what they want to do, you know, a lot, like you said, in the call earlier, got to decide where you're at, where you want to go. Some for people who have a hard time deciding where they want to go or like why they're stuck and going deeper. What's typically like a blocking a blockage of that? Or why is that so hard for people? I'm going to give you a couple answers and this is for you audience and whatever resonates with you stick with it and, and mull it over. In part, we're taught to have very shallow relationships by society. And because of that, we've developed the habit of having a shallow relationship, especially with ourselves. Second perspective is this. Diving deep requires cutting through all the personal bullshit that we have. And I I apologize for the language because it means that we have to be raw and real with ourselves to accept the ugly aspects within ourselves that we see, you know, we can, we can point fingers at all our flaws, but to really sit there and not point a finger, but just sit there and look at it and say, okay, I'm not happy with this. This isn't the optimal me, or this isn't the best me, but this is something that I have going on right now. It's painful. And we as humans, our mind, our bodies shy away from pain. The body doesn't like pain. It does whatever it can to keep us away from it. Same thing with the mind. But it's becoming comfortable with that discomfort, that pain, and just looking at all our flaws and not being critical about it, just accepting them, right? It takes practice because it means that you have to sit there kind of in the muck and realize, okay, I'm not as perfect as I project myself to be to others or to myself. I'm not as great as I can be. Another perspective to have is that we're constantly in the rush 
of that external validation that we don't realize the only validation we need is our own. But to get that internal validation, we have to dive deep in and really ask ourselves, is this something that I'm truly passionate about? Or have I just been wasting, and I put this in quotes because there's no truly wasting time if you take a learning from it. But have, we been, have I been wasting my time pursuing this one path when my true passion is down this path? Another perspective to consider is this. We don't dive deep because we, we have demons from our past, trauma, pains, experiences that protected us in the past, but they haunt us now in the present. And I, th I think about demons in this perspective, and I got part of it from Tulam, who's known as Ronan on Instagram. Also from my friend, Scott Travis, who's an amazing artist. You have to be willing to sit and have a conversation with your demons. Because at some point, they were the only thing protecting you from whatever was going on in life. And a lot of society teaches us that we have to exercise our demons and all that, but our, our demons are an aspect or a facet of us. They're a part of us. So in the pursuit of trying to kill them off or remove them, we're trying to kill ourselves off that portion, right? When in reality, we have to learn how to embrace them, accept them back into the wholeness of who we are. That yeah, I have this past. I've done a lot of crazy shit. I had this demon here that protected me by helping me fight through all that stuff. And you have to learn to love it or her. You have to learn to love the demon because it's a part of you. And instead of rejecting it, accept it. And that's very painful to do because you have to, in part, acknowledge and own everything that it's done all in your self-defense or in your protection or growth, whatever it was. You have to accept it and incorporate it into where you are now and what you're doing. But also let it be a more pure version of itself as you are refining yourself. I'm not saying if like you did all sorts of crazy shit deployed, you do it here now. But you had a purpose for that guy. So repurpose him here and now. Give him a job to do instead of telling him to screw off and, and go sit on the shelf. So this is why we, a lot of us have issues because it all comes back down to us getting uncomfortable. Being uncomfortable with the pain, the emotion, the need, the direction. And we're, we're taught by these silly things here to go for that instant validation, to go surface level. But that's the biggest flaw that we're taught in life by society and everyone else around us that's doing the same thing. You want to grow, you have to sit there and be uncomfortable. Because just like when we were growing up as teenagers, you have growing pains. Your bones ache, your muscles ache, you're, you're literally your body's stretching longer and it hurts. It's the same thing emotionally. We're just not used to it as much as we ought to be. Yeah, seriously appreciate that big time. Lots of lots of different kind of variety of answers for people, which is a good good thing cuz then if 
like you said before you got into it, you know, some of that will resonate with everybody. <laughs> There's everybody's going to be at a point where something in that is going to resonate. And it specifically the demon thing just reminded me of a, a conference I went to back last September in Utah. I don't, it probably would have been something you maybe were interested in going to too, maybe, but um, had like David Goggins and Gary Vaynerchuk, this big limitless event. Oh, I was right? there. Okay. Yeah. So I was there too. And right. that was my one takeaway from that event was when David Goggins talked about getting to know your demons, um, which I think is a, again, high performers have coaches and are doing this inner work <laughs> and he, he's a high performer and he's, he's talked about getting to know his demons and embracing them rather than shooing them away. Kind of a thing. You know that they have another one coming up in like March or April, right? I did not know that, but I would definitely be interested. <laughs> it's a good one. God, I went there solely for the purpose of listening to Goggins. Mm -hmm. There's some good nuggets there. He was by far my favorite because he is a great example of just as you said, embracing your demons. Like his story, his origin story is hard. Like it's yeah. hard. But instead of letting it be the shackles by which he was crippled, he turned that shit into his fire and he rocketed up there. And he still, you know, references it and it almost makes other people uncomfortable. <laughs> like, uh, like he talks about how he used to be a bigger dude and how he went through like a weight loss journey and he refers to himself as like the fat kid, even though he's clearly not one, but like everybody gets uncomfortable when he says that, but like he, you know, he, he owns it. Yeah. We all want to sit at home, have washboard abs and eat ice cream or whatever our poison is. We all do. Yeah. But it comes back down to what do you want more? Yeah. For me, like I'll give you, I'll give you me as an example. Fitness for me isn't about the six pack. It's for the capability to do whatever physically when I need to do it. That's all I, that, that's really why I work out. Not for the six pack to look good. I just want to be able to do good. That's awesome. Well, man, we should, uh, we'll talk more after this too, but we should Let's link up and go to that next one. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, one question for you though. Yeah. If you don't mind. Go what for can it. I help you with today or how can I help you today? I think you, it's been a lot of help already, like just for this podcast episode. Um, but I would say, yeah, just, uh, just share this out and get it to people. Maybe an introduction to Scott Travis. <laughs> I've been, uh, introduced to him two times, but have not landed an episode successfully yet. So, yeah. <laughs> but would love to get him on the show. <laughs> I will, I will connect you guys via text. Awesome. That'll be way cool. And, uh, yeah, no, I just appreciate you big time. Is there anything I can do before we end the recording? No, man, just keep being yourself. You're quite the amuse amazing human being. Well, I appreciate it. And I guess we'll do a quick, uh, this might be something I could do for you. We'll clip it up and share it too. But I always end every episode with a beatbox uh, for the guests. So uh, I'll put Vic Freloff into a, a quick beatbox. <laughs> cool. Thank you.
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That is awesome. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, we'll clip that so we could share it or something. Oh my God, that is beautiful. Oh, that was awesome. Yeah, and thanks so much, man, for being on Upbeat. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure.